Well, beloved, it's good to be in your midst again this evening after a few months. And I would like to pick up again uh, the series on Ruth that I began before Pastor Aushout came. And seeing that I'll be back in the next few months, a few times, I thought it would be fitting to pick it up and continue. But let me just refresh to see where we have been so that we can pick up in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. We saw the tragedy, didn't we, of Elimelech leaving the place of God's provision, going to the land of Moab. We saw the tragedy of his two sons marrying two Gentile Moabite women. And then we see that Ruth or Naomi is left without husband, without sons. And she returns to Bethlehem because she hears that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. It's this news of God's provision for his people that draws Naomi back out of the land of Moab. We saw that Ruth and Orpah follow her, but ultimately it was only Ruth that went with Naomi back to Bethlehem. Orpah kissed Naomi and went back across the border, back to her family, back to her gods, presumably back to find a husband for herself where the prospects seemed most hopeful. Ruth, however, follows Naomi in faith, having been drawn by the Lord Himself. We read of her confession in verses 15 through 18 of of chapter 1, a beautiful confession of who the Lord is for her. What God has done for her in drawing her out of Moab, drawing her to the Lord's people, drawing her to the place of the Lord's provision, drawing her to the place of the Lord's person Himself where He visits His people. And then we find in the end of chapter 1 how they stand at the, the gate of Bethlehem. Naomi complains in a bitter spirit that the totality of her life is is one of bitterness in how the Lord has dealt with her. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. But we see that the Lord will not leave her alone. The Lord will transform her mind. The Lord will transform her heart. Because we read at the end of chapter 1 that it was the beginning of barley harvest. The season of barley harvest is the context in which God is going to change Naomi, in which God is going to show that Ruth, a Moabite, a Gentile, a stranger, is being received into the covenant community of Israel. This story is a reminder to us of the redemption of the Lord and how He deals with those who come to Him those whom He draws by His Spirit into the orbit of His grace. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, we find Boaz and Ruth coming together for the very first time. In the opening verses, Boaz is pictured there as the one who is perfectly qualified to be Ruth's and Naomi's Redeemer. And through Boaz, we get a picture of the Lord Jesus, don't we? The greater Boaz. 
The one who is perfectly qualified to be the redeemer of his people. Just as Boaz was a man of sterling character, so Jesus Christ is the one who is perfect. The one who possesses strength to redeem his people. The one who is identified with his people. Just like Boaz was of the the clan and the tribe of Elimelech. The one who could redeem Naomi and Ruth. So we see that Jesus is perfectly suited to be the redeemer of sinners like you and me. And then we find Ruth coming into the fields of Boaz. And Boaz is asking who she is. Who does this stranger belong to? And we see Ruth coming in, receiving grace at the hand of Boaz, a stranger coming in from the land of Moab, one whose prospects in Israel were extremely dim as a Moabite, as the arch enemy of the people of Israel. And yet, there is a place for her in the fields of Boaz. As Boaz interacts with her, we see his grace extending to her. And through Boaz's interactions with Ruth, we we get another uh, picture. The picture is enlarged, as it were, of, of Jesus dealing with sinners, receiving them by His grace, providing a place for them to come, a place of protection, a place of provision in His field. And that's what we see again tonight in verses 13 through 17 as we come to the words of our text. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her at mealtime, Come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And Ruth asks this question back in verses 1 through 12. Why have I found grace? And what did Boaz then see when he looked at Ruth? Did he see a stranger to be held at arm's length, a stranger to be relegated to the corners of his fields? No. Boaz saw something in Ruth. He saw her need and he responds with overwhelming grace. This whole idea of grace brings us straight into the realm of the grace of God Himself, the chesed, the kindness of God, the covenant faithfulness of the Lord as He deals with sinners, as He draws them in by His covenant love. And that theme of grace, that theme of Chesed runs through this passage, these verses that we're looking at tonight. 
It's grace that sees a stranger and elevates them into the position of being a son or daughter of the Most High God. That's what we see in this narrative as Boaz deals with Ruth. A picture of grace from the heart of the leader Boaz. Again, the picture is enlarged. We, we zoom in with, with greater clarity as we see the heart of Christ unfold this, unfolded in this narrative through the type of Boaz in dealing with Ruth. And it's this theme that emerges from these verses as, as Boaz deals with Ruth. He sets her as a daughter among maidens. As a daughter among his servants, that's how he treats her. That's evidenced by Ruth's confession. Secondly, it's evidenced by Boaz's inclusion of Ruth around his table. Thirdly, it's evidenced by Boaz's provision as he, as he gives of his own hand to, to Ruth. He makes provision through the hands of his reapers to feed this woman from Moab. And fourthly, it's evidenced by Ruth's fullness as she gleans in the fields. As a daughter among maidens, first of all, evidenced by Ruth's confession. Her confession in verse 13 speaks to this status of being a daughter among the maidens of Boaz. It speaks to her newfound place, doesn't it? Not just of security and provision in the fields of Boaz, but it speaks to her place in the covenant of God that through the instrumentality of Boaz, she's, she's being drawn now into this covenant with God, into the fuller realities of what she had come to learn in Moab. She, like Naomi, had heard that the Lord had visited His people with bread. By faith, she had followed Naomi into the city of Bethlehem. By faith, she had turned to the fields of Boaz, to the one in whose eyes she would find grace. That's what we read in verse 2. Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn. After him in whose sight I shall find grace. Now in verse 13, she says, Let me now find favor in thy sight, my Lord. Here is the one in whose eyes she has found grace, in whose eyes she has found favor. We read these words and we, we, we see them as almost a form of request, let me find favor. But the reality of these words is actually an expression of, of gratitude. It's not just let me find favor in thy eyes in thy sight, but I have found grace in thy sight, my Lord. It's an acknowledgement of what she has received from Boaz. Her, why have, have I found grace, in verse 10, her question there, now turns into a statement of, I have found grace in thy sight, and let me continue to find grace in thy sight. She is received from the heart and the mouth of Boaz. It's a confession 
of the character of this grace that she has found flowing from the heart of Boaz, from his character, from his dealings with her. It's a confession of this comforting grace. Because she continues in verse 13, she says, For thou hast comforted me. I have found grace in thy sight, for thou hast comforted me. Boaz's grace has had a tremendous effect on this, this Gentile, on this stranger. The fact that she has been comforted, that she has been strengthened, speaks to the fact that she has endured discomfort of being a stranger in Boaz's field. Sometimes we can pass over these details, but, but let's stand in the, the shoes of Ruth for a moment this evening. Coming from a foreign country, coming into the, the city, the town of Bethlehem, the uproar, the, the, the city being disturbed as Naomi and this Moabites come within its walls. And then going into the fields of Boaz, an Israelite, this stranger who has no hope, humanly speaking, of being received. Fear and trembling. What will she find? Stepping out in faith, as it were. And yet... Here we find Boaz's actions and words settling her mind and her heart to assure her that she has come home. She's with the Lord. She's come home. Boaz's statement of her faith in God has served to put her at ease. In verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. This is not just about Boaz. This is about Ruth coming under the, the protective wings of God himself. This is where she has placed herself. But it's through the mouth of Boaz, through the actions of Boaz that she receives grace, and that grace is is pictured for her in real and living color. Boaz's statement puts her at ease, no longer a stranger here, but because of Boaz's kindness, she is confirmed to have come home. Grace removes the fear of rejection. Grace deals with the unease of uncertainty of, of being a stranger in a strange land. Grace gives stability. That's true of the grace that Boaz demonstrates for Ruth. But it's also true of the greater Boaz's grace, isn't it? Christ's grace removes the fear of rejection, provides stability for those who are trembling and fearing that they may not have a place with God. After all, those who have come from the land of Moab with all their sin, with their stranger identity, and have come to the place where God has visited His people, perhaps that describes you tonight, standing on the outside, standing on the periphery, perhaps looking in and longing to be there with the people of God, longing for that assurance that you can, that you can say you belong 
Longing for that assurance that you can say that you are home near to the heart of Christ. Listen to the words of the greater Boaz, the voice of the greater Boaz. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Trembling one, if you are trusting under those wings, if you are resting there, Confessing that you have no hope in yourself, but it's tied to the God that Ruth served. And this grace also comes to you tonight. Grace that deals with the unease and the uncertainty of your own doubts and your own fears. Grace that comes to strangers and draws them in. Here's an invitation to come to the greater Boaz tonight and to rest upon His grace again for your own soul, to find stability for the trembling and the doubting heart tonight. But it's not just comforting grace that Ruth receives, it's compassionate grace. Verse 13, Ruth continues, For that thou hast spoken friendly unto thy handmaid. How has Boaz spoken to Ruth? Well, begins in verse 8. He says there, Hearest thou not my daughter? Did you hear how Boaz addresses Ruth? My daughter. He speaks to her as a, as a member of the family, as a member of the community. Ruth sees herself and feels herself to be a stranger. But Boaz addresses her as my daughter. Words of compassion. He speaks to her with words of provision. Go not to glean in another field, but abide here fast by my maidens. Boaz's heart has compassion on Ruth so that she can glean in his field. A daughter among the maidens in the field. Words of protection. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Compassion for a stranger. One who who surrounds this daughter, as it were, with his own protection. Compassion. Words of acceptance as to Ruth's place before the Lord and His people. Boaz has spoken kindly to Ruth. He has spoken with compassion to Ruth. His words and His actions exude grace for this stranger. This is what Ruth confesses. You have spoken kindly to your servant. And her confession speaks to the inclusive grace that Boaz shows to her. Grace includes strangers. Grace is inclusive. Now, the world uses this word inclusive in the sense of including everybody, including people, as well as their sins. 
as if God receives everyone. And there's no need for change. But the grace of God includes strangers. There's a place near the heart of God for those who have come out of the world to seek God and His grace. That's how we use the word inclusive here. The gospel is thrown wide open as we see here for a Moabite, for an arch enemy of the children of Israel. God's grace includes sinners of every kind, of every stripe. But we also see in the life of Ruth that God's grace transforms sinners from strangers into daughters, from strangers into sons. And notice what Ruth confesses about this inclusive grace. She says, you've done all this, you've said all this, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. I'm different. And yet you've included me, you've drawn me in, you've, you've called me your daughter, you've provided all of this for me. In spite of my being different. She does not dare to presume upon Boaz's grace She assumes the same status as Boaz's female servants. Even less than one of those. Even though I am not like your handmaidens. She senses something different about herself, but that's not what Boaz sees. That's not what the grace of God sees, you see, when when we come to Him. When He draws us to Himself. does not see difference. Boaz sees a daughter here, a daughter of the Lord Himself. Isn't that true in the life and experience of God's people? We stand before the Lord. We stand before the gospel and the richness of of its promises. We stand before the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see and we sense and we taste of His love and of His compassion. And we And yet, we feel the difference, don't we? We feel that we are wholly other than than God Himself, that God is wholly other than us. As Reverend Washer said this morning in Grand Rapids, God is in a category all on His own. In a sense, that's what Ruth is feeling here as she stands before Boaz. That's what a sinner feels as we stand before God, a sense of unworthiness. That even though we have received the grace of Christ, yet we still sense that Christ is in a category all to His own. And yet able to relate to us. We speak like the prodigal son returning home. I'm not worthy to be called one of thy servants. Like Ruth here, all we feel is difference. And we are amazed that God would would even look upon us, would even lavish His grace on such a one who is altogether different and unworthy of that grace. One who has dwelt in Moab for far too long and Smells like Moab and looks like Moab. But that's not what Christ sees. 
as the greater Boaz, he draws out this confession of his grace from us, compassionate grace, comforting grace, inclusive grace. But even as we compare ourselves to Christ, even as we take that position of humility and and a sense of unworthiness, let us not deny His grace. Let us renew our confession of this grace. You show your gratitude to the Redeemer for such grace by confessing it. The greater Boaz is worthy of such a confession just as Boaz here was worthy of what Ruth said about him. Even more so, Christ is worthy of our confession. As He shows us that grace, as He sees us, unworthy as we are, and He treats us with that grace which declares us as sons and daughters by which He adopts us into the family of God. sets us as a daughter among maidens, as a son among servants. And that's evidenced by Boaz's inclusion as we, as we narrow in through the text. He includes her as part of the family. He's already called her daughter, addressing her as part of the family, but now he treats her as the part of the family. He invites her to come and eat with him in his household. He, in, in verse 14, at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. Here we see the grace again of the law. The grace of the law provided the corners of the field for strangers and widows to glean. But here we see that the grace of the law goes even further. It, Boaz goes above and beyond what the, what the law stipulated. He does not merely provide a corner in the field for Ruth to glean. He provides a place of welcome and hospitality at his own table. An invitation for the one who stood on the outside to come in. To come in and eat bread. Children, do you remember what Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. And here Ruth has come into Bethlehem. She's come now to the place of bread at the, at the table of Boaz. She comes from the emptiness and the famine of Moab, and she comes to the fullness of Bethlehem and Boaz. Invited as a member of the household of Boaz to eat bread, to dip it in the wine vinegar condiment. All of this speaks of inclusion into the family. And if this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't this a picture of his invitation? For those who have stood on the outside to come in and enjoy fellowship and communion with him, isn't this the whole point of salvation, of redemption? to restore us into fellowship and communion with Himself. That we willingly broke in the garden 
through Adam and Eve. This is the wonder of the grace that is on display here in the narrative of Boaz and Ruth. The grace of Christ invites us to come hither, to eat of this bread, the bread of life himself, not just to remain in the corners of the field, but to come as a son and as a daughter and to eat. Come, my son, my daughter, Christ says to us through his word tonight and avail yourselves of the bread that is in the greater Boaz's house, those who have returned from Moab. He invites to fellowship with him. That is the beauty of Jesus' inclusive grace in the best sense of for the word inclusive. He has heard and he knows those who have sheltered under his wings for redemption. How you have sheltered on the wings of the Almighty. He has heard how, how you have confessed, child of God, your faith in the covenant. The covenant-keeping, faithful Lord. Once more, He invites you to partake of His fullness tonight in the gospel. For your emptiness to be addressed again in who He is as the greater Boaz. When communion comes around, we're reminded again, aren't we, that he seats us at his table, not as strangers, but as sons and daughters. Even though we feel the remnants of that stranger identity trying to militate against what Scripture says that we are. What does Ruth do with his invitation? We read in verse 14, and she sat beside the reapers. She heeds the invitation. She listens. She obeys. She doesn't question. She responds by sitting down. She honors Boaz by honoring his invitation. It's all Boaz here in these verses as he lavishes his kindness upon Ruth, his grace. But Ruth responds with faith. Faith is the fitting response to such grace. When we dwell on our stranger identity, when we look at ourselves, we're often hindered, aren't we? We have this humility. We, we say, how can it be that God has shown us such grace? We look at ourselves and we become absorbed with ourselves. We look at ourselves and we, we begin to doubt and we begin to fear that God would receive us. But here we're reminded that this man receives sinners. And when we question the invitation to come and to eat, to come and to feed on Christ in the gospel, how should we respond? Not with questions. Does the Lord really mean that I can? No. 
He means what he says. That's what we have to go by. He means what he says. He calls us to eat. Come hither and eat. We're called to sit down, to respond with faith and trust that God will indeed do as he says and feed us with himself. Faith does not turn from such grace in spite of feeling and being different, but faith takes hold of that grace precisely because those who are different need that grace. So let not our difference become a hindrance in our sight. Because what this narrative proves, what this history proves, is that our sense of being different is no obstacle to the greater Boaz. He made a place for Ruth. He can make a place for you and for me. Because it's this grace that overcomes our difference, that overcomes our stranger-like identity and makes us sons and daughters. Ruth puts down the fact that she is different than Boaz's handmaids and she doesn't really fit in. For Ruth, her different was the fact that she was from Moab, an outsider. And yet she sits down. So tonight, what is your different? Is it fear of what people will say or do? If you sit down, if you respond with faith to the call of the gospel and feed on Christ? Is it the fear of commitment? That if you commit to the greater Boaz, you will perhaps just maybe lose out on something else in Moab. Did you notice what, Moab, what Boaz said about Ruth in verse 11? He had heard how she had left her father and mother, the land of her nativity, and come unto a people which knew not, she knew not heretofore. She had left everything. Everything that she knew, everything that was comfortable to her, she had left it all for the Lord. So don't let the fear of commitment to the Lord hold you back. Maybe the fear of rejection because of sin. You, you stand before the Lord and you say, my sin is so great. The memories of your sin come back. You feel so different. So opposed to the grace of God. But let that not be a hindrance to this grace. Maybe you're not sure whether you measure up, whether it's your own standards or the standards of others. There's only one standard to which we must measure up, and that's God's standard. The only way we measure up to that standard is by trusting in the person and the work of Christ. Christ is the end of the law for those who believe. And so Ruth teaches us here that different should not keep us away from the provision of grace. 
Rather, it's the very fact of our difference that should bring us to greater dependence on the grace of God. As we grow in greater dependence on the grace of God, we grow into the identity of being called a son or a daughter of God Himself. Notice what Boaz does with different. He doesn't pass over Ruth. He doesn't just invite her to come and sit and then pass over her. No. It's followed up by a demonstration of personal care and commitment. He reached her parched corn. He doesn't tell his servants to give her this. He reached her parched corn. Boaz takes the grain that was just harvested, the grain that was just roasted and prepared, and he gives it to Ruth himself. The host serves the daughter. the one who feels herself to be a stranger. It's a breathtaking display of grace, isn't it? Not just words, but actions. His own hand feeds Ruth. He takes the initiative. He sets her at ease by inviting her. And then he cares for her. We have this all the time, don't we? In real life, we come into a strange place. Maybe you visit a church somewhere else, a place that's new. I just had this several weeks ago when I was in Egypt, you come into a new church, a new culture, a new place. You feel yourself to be very, very different. But at the end of the day, we're, we're all the same. But the comfort of knowing that someone is there who can, who can bridge the gap, Someone who can lead you around and introduce you and and lead you to where you need to be. There's something tremendously comforting about that. And overcomes that feeling of of difference. That's what happens here. In what seems to be a very small but significant action. As Boaz serves Ruth. And again, if Boaz pictures Christ this evening, then we have a beautiful picture into the window, or into the heart, a beautiful window into the heart and hand of Christ. He himself feeds his people. He invites them in and he gives of himself. He guides them and leads them and assures them that they are no longer strangers, but sons and daughters among maidens. No longer servants, but children. This is how Christ deals with our different. He takes the initiative. He reaches down and He feeds His people in the anticipation of the reality that is to come in Revelation 7 verse 17. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Beloved, let this care of the greater Boaz draw you to himself again. Overcome that different that you feel, that you've gotten hung up on again as you stood before Christ. Grace welcomes sinners and feeds them as children of the family. That's the reality of the grace of the greater Boaz. 
a beautiful picture of the heart of Christ to draw us back to Himself and feed on Him. And what does Ruth do now? She sits down. But then in the last part of verse 14, and she did eat and was sufficed and left. Ruth didn't just look at the provision in her hands and say, wow, that's amazing. She put her hand to her mouth and she ate and she was satisfied. There's a book written about Ruth titled A Satisfied Stranger. But I think the book, based on what we learn here, can be more aptly named A Satisfied Daughter. The net result of her eating was that she was satisfied. Boaz's food and his care and commitment to Ruth satisfy her soul. She left, the verse says. But that word left there in the Hebrew can also have the sense that she had left over. Not simply that she left Boaz's table, but that she had left over of the food that Boaz had given her. She was satisfied and she had bread and enough to spare. That speaks to the reality of who Boaz is in, in giving of this food. She's gone from emptiness to fullness and to overflowing. That's the reality of grace, the reality of the kindness of Christ, the greater Boaz. Beloved, how will you respond to such grace? How will you respond to such supply from Christ Himself? Will you heed His invitation? Or will you continue to highlight what is different about you and stay away and let that become an obstacle and a hindrance to communion with God? Will you let grace take the upper hand in shaping your identity and who you are? Yes, there are remnants of being a stranger. That's true. But if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. That's equally true. And it's grace that ought to take the upper hand then in shaping that identity in our experience of grace. This is what Christ invites us to this evening. To live out of that identity of being a son or a daughter among the servants and the maidens. For those who have come to trust under the wings of the Redeemer, this is what the gospel invites you to this evening. But maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, I'm not one of those. Maybe you're a complete stranger still still in the land of Moab, a stranger, empty, and different is all you know. My friend, this narrative speaks to you as well. Ruth used to be in that place. It speaks to the drawing and the compelling power of the love of God in drawing sinners to himself. He found Ruth in the land of Moab. He called her, as it were, as he called to Adam and Eve, and he said, where are you? He drew her out. He calls you in the same way tonight. Where are you tonight if you are in the land of Moab? 
Your emptiness is highlighted in contrast to the grace of what Ruth is receiving here and and now from the hand of Boaz. The same grace that has led her to this place is available for those who are lost in the wilderness and the emptiness and the barrenness of this world. Come, my friend. Come to the place where there is bread and enough to spare where there is room in the house of the greater Boaz, where there is still room at the table of the Lord. This grace that turns the different into daughters and sons of God. Don't leave this place until you have made sure that you have come under the wings of the Redeemer. As long as you are living in the wilderness of Moab, the wilderness of this world, you stand exposed, not just to the world, but to the judgment of God. But then we read further that Ruth leaves with provision, further underscoring, further evidencing that she is a daughter among maidens. Boaz gives instructions to his reapers to provide for Ruth. Verse 15, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean. He gives her a blank check to glean in the fields. In verse 16, another command, let fall also. Make it easy for her to glean in the field. Freedom and ample provision provided in the fields of Boaz. A command and also a caution. The reapers are to treat her with respect and not rebuke her. Reproach her not. Rebuke her not. Just let her be in my field, men. Give her the latitude that others don't have. Do not speak harshly with her, but let her be. She's to be encouraged in her gleaning for barley. This command and this caution serve to protect Ruth in the field as she gleans. And then there's the largesse of Boaz's heart that shines through in these instructions. He gives them very specific instructions. Let her glean among the sheaves. Why is that significant? It speaks to the place where Ruth was to glean, the location She's not relegated to the corners of the field anymore. That was the place for strangers and for widows, according to Leviticus 19 and Leviticus 28. But now she's to glean among the sheaves. She could glean in the middle of all the activity where there was more grain to be had. Speaks to location, but also position. No longer a stranger, but treated as one of the family, given a prime place to glean in the field. And then there's that specific instruction to the the reapers again, let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them. Drop these handfuls of barley so she can have enough. Men, make it easy for this woman. Ruth gleans within the boundaries of Boaz's field. But Boaz's kindness knows no bounds. 
She gleans under His gracious command. She gleans under His watchful protection. She gleans from the largesse of His heart. He's graciously generous. And again, we have a clear picture of Christ emerging. We might be tempted to think that the boundaries of His field limit His generosity. But the opposite is true. You see, it is when we glean in Christ's field that we come to know the limitlessness of His grace. And we stagger home under the glorious weight of that grace that treats different with daughter and son. This is the provision in Christ this evening for those who are His own. This is all the glorious reality of the heart of Christ as it's opened. The boundaries of His field does not limit His generosity, but when we come into His field, we know that we are within the boundaries of a generous heart that will withhold no good thing for His children. He's kind and He's gracious. Commands provision for His own. He makes it easy for them. Calling them near to the place where there is a rich harvest of His grace. Sadly, some of us limit His supply of grace by not coming to Him readily because of misconceptions or we still feel that we are utterly unworthy. We'd rather be in the corners and in the place of His lavish provision. But let me ask you this tonight, what honors Christ the most? When He's made provision for us out of the gracious generosity of His heart, and we say we're not good enough for that, just keep us in the corners. What magnifies the grace of Christ more? Certainly not to remain in the corners, is it? to come where He has bid us to come, to come where He has made provision for us, to come and to glean and to be filled with Himself. That's what brings glory and honor to Christ the most. So let me say this, perhaps pointedly. It's not about you and what you feel to be different about yourself. This is about Christ and what magnifies Him the most. So where will He find you tonight? In the midst of the place where He's provided out of His generosity. Or in the corners of the field thinking that somehow you're not qualified to be in that place. Or in Moab still. The gospel comes to us tonight through the picture of Boaz and shows us the heart of Christ, that He willingly provides fullness and plenty for hungry strangers and treats them as one of His own. As we respond to that, it's not presumption to take hold of that provision. 
but rather it honors Christ when we respond by faith to what He provides for us in Himself. That's what we see Ruth doing in our last thought. She's a daughter among maidens, and it's evidenced by her fullness. 17, so she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned. Ruth is a picture of industry, a faith in action. She's a daughter among maidens as she gleans among the shields, sheaves and gleans the handfuls of grain left in the wake of the reapers. She threshed the grain, striking the, the plants to separate the plant from the grain, the husk from the grain. Her industrious work yields a rich harvest. Ruth's fatherly love and provision does not make Ruth complacent, but thankfully industrious. She takes hold of that invitation to reap in the middle of all the activity, to take part of all that the reapers have dropped for her, and she reaps a rich harvest as a result. What does that teach us tonight? In terms of a spiritual lesson, it teaches that true faith in Christ is always active. It responds to the invitation to come and eat and to remain and to reap. It calls us not to be complacent in the use of the means of grace, but seek to use them to the fullest extent possible, seeing that this is where Christ feeds and nourishes us. The spiritual yield is proportionate to our use of the means of grace as we mix it with faith. Ruth was humbled at this lavish display of Boaz. Ruth felt herself to be different, yes. Yet when the invitation came to remain and reap, to come in and eat, she did so. She responded by trusting Boaz's word. She hung on his word, as it were. And she left with abundant provision. Isn't that what Christ calls us to do? To hang on his word tonight so that we might leave with abundant provision to bring glory and honor to Christ. Open wide thy mouth and I will fill it, the Lord says from Psalm 81. How will you respond, beloved, to the invitation of Christ, the greater Boaz, who invites you tonight to come in and to eat and to remain and to reap? What is he doing here but to to call you, to invite you, to test the limits of his generosity. And you will find that there are no limits to his generosity for those who respond. Verse 17 ends with these words in accounting of what Ruth is bringing home from the fields of Boaz. It was about an ephah of barley. How much is an ephah? It's about 30 to 50 pounds of barley that she takes home. And I remember typing out the notes in my sermon. And every time I would type barley, I accidentally typed barely. This proves the point, doesn't it? That Christ does not just barely feed us when we come to Him. When we respond to his invitation, 
to come and eat and to remain and reap. It's not just handfuls that are barely there. Ruth did not leave and go home with barely enough. But she left with more than enough barley. What she takes home here is enough to feed her and Naomi for weeks to come. After only one day of gleaning. Boaz's provision here leads to the fullness of Ruth and Naomi. Not just full bellies, but full hearts. Who would have thought but the ray of hope in Ruth 1 verse 22. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest would lead to such fullness after just one day. Just one moment, just one glimpse of Christ is enough to fill us. And so Ruth returns home under the Staggering under the glorious weight of Boaz's provision. Beloved, let us remember tonight that the greater Boaz wishes nothing less for us than to be filled and to stagger home under the glorious weight of the provision of his grace. doesn't give just barely enough. He gives more than enough. We stagger home, praising God for His goodness and His kindness and His grace towards us. We who are strangers, He has made sons and daughters. Feeds us with Himself. Don't doubt His heart. Don't doubt his ability to deliver provision for your soul tonight, but know that he will do as he has said. Hang on his word. Test his invitation. Come in and eat. Remain and reap. He is willing. He is kind. He is full and tender-hearted, full of tender-hearted compassion and filling strangers, elevating them from strangers to set them as sons and daughters around his table, to place them in his field of provision. So we stagger home to the praise and the glory of His grace. How will you approach Him tonight? How will you go home tonight? As sons and daughters dependent on His lavish grace and His provision. Or will you still be those among those who doubt His provision? continuing on to eke out a meager existence in the world, leaning on your own righteousness. Here we have a picture of the heart of Christ. For those who are hungry, for those who are thirsting after Him, the beatitude fulfilled, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Here is one who can satisfy the deepest longing of your soul tonight. So you go home filled with Him and Him alone. What better way to leave tonight focused on Christ 
who He is and what He gives of Himself as He sets strangers, sons and daughters in His family and feeds them with His own hand and sends them home full. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank Thee for Thy provision, for Thy grace for us, for Thy generosity that knows no limits to those who come to Thee, hanging on Thy word, hanging on Thy person, trusting in Thee alone. Draw us, Lord, with these words this beautiful picture the life of Boaz and Ruth to see Christ. Lord, help us to respond with faith, to glean, to use the means of grace so that our harvest will be proportionate to what we glean from thy storehouse, from thy generous heart. Lord, let us not live beneath the privilege of being sons and daughters of God. Not to say as the elder brother, I've served thee all these years and thou hast not slain for me the fatted calf. But this your son came home and you've given him everything. That we would not respond in self-righteousness, the narrowness of mind of the self-righteous man, but that we would respond with faith, recognizing that we are strangers, yet also delighting to be called sons and daughters, letting that form and shape who we are before thee the glory of thy grace. We ask all this now in Jesus' name alone. Amen.